Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, February 9th, 2024. And yesterday was such an important day for the American people. Such an important day for those who want to take the country back from the centralized government in Washington, the corrupt centralized government in Washington. And the first thing I want to talk about is the release of the special prosecutor's investigation into Joe Biden taking secret documents while he was vice president and when he was senator. And the special prosecutor, Robert Hunt, said that although Joe Biden willfully took these secret documents, we're not going to prosecute. And I may add that willfully taking these secret documents while he was vice president and senator is a felony. But he chose not to prosecute. And the reason he chose not to prosecute is because he felt that Joe Biden was not mentally competent to stand trial. And his rationale was that because Joe Biden is such a doddering old fool with no memory, and he cites that he couldn't remember the dates when he was vice president, nor could he remember the date that his, that his son, Bo, died. And her thought that, well, he would be a sympathetic defendant and he would find it hard that a jury would convict an old man with no memory. That was his rationale. And did I mention that he did say that Joe Biden willfully took these documents, these secret, top secret documents, while he was vice president, while he was a senator, which is a felony, but he chose not to prosecute. Meanwhile, they're prosecuting Donald Trump for the same thing. Now, Democrats are going to bring in the little nuance. Oh, well, it's different. That's no, not different. Democrats are out there saying, well, Joe Biden cooperated with the investigation. Donald Trump fought back. What they failed to tell you is that Donald Trump did cooperate, and they had a disagreement on whether the president of the United States had the right to take those documents, whereas Joe Biden, as a vice president, had no right to take those documents, had no right to take those documents while he was a senator. And then he gave those documents to his ghostwriter for his memoirs, or one of the books that he was writing. And the other thing I find interesting is that his ghostwriter, when he found out that there was an investigation going on into Joe Biden, deleted some of the audio files from his computer. And those audio files were interviews between him and Joe Biden and may have been talking about these top secret documents. But he wasn't prosecuted. Why wasn't he prosecuted? They're prosecuting Donald Trump's valet for moving boxes around. But they don't prosecute Joe Biden's ghostwriter for deleting files? Now, maybe they got the files at some point, because the FBI has the ability to find deleted files from a computer. But that's not the point. This is just another example of a two-tiered system. Washington, the deep state, they're, gonna, they're going to protect themselves, and they're going to protect Joe Biden until they have no use for him, which I'm sure is in the works. And they're in a state of panic. They're, not in, a, they're in a state of panic because what her said about Joe Biden's mental capacity that he's an old man. That's really not mentally competent. Well, why is he president? So with that said, I want to go to a clip, and it's with Joe Biden's rushed press conference he had last night around 8 p.m. So in a panic, they hauled Joe Biden out there to have a press conference to try to mitigate this problem about his mental capacity. And it didn't go well. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Why are you confusing the names of 
share classified information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter. With my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. But the what special the, counsel said well, in the report no, that he did. did not say that. Okay. And that's a bold-faced lie. Hers report said that he did. And as a matter of fact, CNN, they fact-checked Joe Biden on this. And they said, Joe Biden's claim is false. Now, there were two other items where CNN exposed Joe Biden as a liar. The first one was uh, Biden claimed that the boxes where the classified documents were stored were in a secure place. And the investigation pointed out that, no, they were stored in his garage. Maybe not all of them, but a good chunk of them. Stored in his garage next to his Corvette. The other thing CNN also pointed out that Joe Biden lied about the classification level of the documents. Biden in the press conference said that none of the documents were highly classified. And her report said, yeah, some of them were highly classified. And this is according to CNN. So let's go back to the press conference. You would respond with the words, watch me. Many American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is your judgment. That is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? What, what is your answer to that question? Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. And what's ironic is that during the same press conference, Biden referred to Egypt as Mexico when talking about Palestine. He made reference to that, oh, we're talking with Mexico so they can open their border up. Well, Joe, Mexico doesn't border Gaza. And then earlier this week, he spoke about a conversation that he had with former French President Mitterrand during a period when Mitterrand was dead. Also, if you notice during the second press conference clip, when Joe Biden was arguing with the one reporter and said, that's your opinion. That's not the press's opinion. And I actually think uh, Joe's right on this one. The mainstream media is going to give Joe a lot of cover on this because they have to protect Joe Biden until they don't need him anymore. So with that said, I want to go to a couple of clips where the mainstream media is covering for Joe. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Well, yeah, especially this line uh, that the president quoted where the report refers to him as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Uh, What is the word elderly doing there? Uh, And poor memory, what is the test of that? Might that be Donald Trump saying, I don't recall 400 times under oath in the same deposition? Is that a good test of it? And that was Lawrence O'Donnell from MSNBC. And he's trying to twist this and bring this back to Trump. And I think most American people can tell you that Trump's got a really good memory. And everything that we've seen about Biden over the past two years knows that this is a man that is receding from life. But not according to MSC. Oh, no big deal. Biden forgets things. He stumbles. He mumbles. Oh, no, no, nothing to see here. And this is what they're doing. So I want to go back to uh, MSNBC. And this is with uh, Ari Melber. And then we'll come back and discuss. 
Just on that, because I had the same thought, it's fairly standard lawyering to advise people, even when in doubt or you think you might remember. If you can credibly say, I don't recall about something, that's a standard legal advice. And it has nothing to do with the age. Oh, no. Joe Biden's just taking legal advice when he can't remember anything. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, that's the ticket. And clearly, her would not mention anything about Biden's shortcomings unless it was clearly obvious. And a lot of people are equating her's decision not to prosecute Joe Biden to James Comey's decision not to prosecute Hillary Clinton during the 2016 presidential election. And if history has a tendency to repeat itself, this bodes well for Donald Trump in November. So we shall see. Now, the second thing that took place yesterday was the oral arguments in the Supreme Court as to whether Donald Trump should be removed from the Colorado ballot. And in a general sense, this is coming down, take away all the legalese and uh, the weeds of, uh, and the nuance of law, but this is, in a broad sense, this is coming down to three things. And one is, can Donald Trump be removed under the 14th Amendment for being part of an insurrection? Two, can states remove a federal candidate from its ballots. Now, the Constitution is clear that regarding state elections, states have the ability to remove uh, certain candidates, but not when it comes to federal candidates, like running for president. And three, whether the 14th Amendment actually applies to presidents. Now, I listened to a lot of the oral arguments yesterday, and at some point, I felt sorry for the Colorado attorney, because most of the Supreme Court justices were just beating the heck out of him because he had such a weak argument. Now, the first item, can Trump be removed under the 14th Amendment for being part of an insurrection? And with that said, I want to go to a clip, and it's with uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And he hits the nail on the head on this. He just knocks this right out of the park. And he says to the Colorado attorney, well, Donald Trump has not even been indicted or convicted of being part of an insurrection. So how can you take him off a ballot? So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. But obviously Congress has enacted statutes, uh, including one still in effect, Section 2383 of Title 18 prohibits insurrection. It's a federal criminal statute. And if you're convicted of that, you are, it says, shall be disqualified from holding any office. And so there is a federal statute on the books, but um, President Trump has not been charged with that. So what what are we to make of that? And the Colorado attorney really gave a weak uh, response to it. I don't even want to go into it. It's just uh, convoluted. And with that said, I want to go to the next item on my list. And it says here, can a, can a state remove a national candidate from its ballots? And with that said, I want to go to my favorite, Clarence Thomas. And... And he beats up the Colorado attorney a bit. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. That you would have that kind of conflict. There were a plethora of Confederates still around. There were any number of people who would continue to either run for state offices or national offices. So it would seem that would suggest that there would at least be a few examples of uh, national uh, candidates being uh, disqualified. If your reading is correct. 
Well, there were certainly national candidates who were disqualified by Congress refusing to seat them. I understand that, but that's not this case. I'm talking, did states disqualify them? That's what we're talking about here. I understand Congress would not seat them. Other than the example I gave, no. And Thomas was clear in his question. Has there ever been a state that removed a federal candidate? And the Colorado's attorney response was no. And the reason it's no is because it's unconstitutional. Now, even liberal Justice Kagan gets into it. And her concern about allowing states to take federal candidates off of its ballots could skew an election. And with that said, let's go to her clip and then we'll come back and discuss. I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. In other words, you know, this question of whether a former president is disqualified for insurrection uh, to be president again is, you know, just say it. It sounds awfully national to me. Um, So whatever means there are to enforce it would suggest that they have to be federal national means. Why does, uh, you know, if you weren't from Colorado and you were from Wisconsin or you were from Michigan, and it really, you know, what the Michigan Secretary of State did is going to make the difference between, you know, whether candidate A is elected or candidate B is elected. I mean, that seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? Why should a single state have the ability to make this determination, not only for their own citizens, but for the rest of the nation? Now, the last item, and I don't know if they're going to take this up, but we may get an answer from uh, the Supreme Court on this, is whether the President of the United States is even subject to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And that's the section which says if you're engaged in an insurrection, you can't you know, um, hold these positions. And the reason I bring this up is because the uh, Section 3 explicitly says that uh, if you're a senator... You can't hold the seat if you're a member of the House of uh, Representatives. You can't hold the seat. Um, and it lists other uh, federal and state uh, positions, but it omits the president of the United States. So is the implication that because the president of the United States is explicitly omitted from the positions, does that mean that this clause doesn't apply to the president of the United States? Maybe they're going to answer that. So we shall see. And I'm just hoping that this comes back 9-0. I think if I was a betting man, I'd say 7-2 to 8-1. But I really hope it's unanimous because this is an extremely important decision. And you don't want to undermine the credibility of the Supreme Court. And you don't want to undermine the credibility of the President of the United States, Donald Trump, when he wins by giving the appearance that he only won because the Supreme Court had more conservatives than liberals. So we shall see. Oh boy, there's so much that happened this week, but the next topic I want to talk about is the failed impeachment vote of Alejandro Mayorkas in the House. Now, there's going to be another bite at the apple here, and from what reports that I read tell me that the next vote is going to uh, be on next uh, Tuesday and it will be successful. The reason that it lost uh, this past week 
There were three Republican defections that voted with the Democrats not to impeach Mayorkas. And that in the fact that uh, Steve Scalise was going through chemotherapy, so he couldn't come and vote. So because of a little of the nuance of the uh, rules in the House, they're going to get a second bite at the apple. And uh, hopefully Steve Scalise will be able to vote uh, with the, uh, his fellow Republicans. And uh, we'll see uh, the Mayorkas uh, impeachment move ahead. Now, remember when Kevin McCarthy orchestrated the ouster of George Santos and George Santos was kicked out of the House? Now, we could have used that vote. We could have used George Santos's vote this past week with Mayorkas, and we wouldn't have to go through the, a, a second cycle of trying to impeach Mayorkas. But this is where Kevin McCarthy really stuck it to Congress and really stuck it to the MAGA Republicans, who are essentially leading this charge. Everything that's coming out that's good for this country is being generated by MAGA. They're fighting the Democrats. They're fighting the rhinos. And McCarthy wanted to stick it to the MAGA people by getting rid of Santos. So we shall see. The Senate border bill is dead. Thank goodness. What a piece of trash that legislation would have been. It would have given 8 million work visas to illegal aliens. Potentially, we would have to take in 1.8 million immigrants every year would have done nothing on how to address the 11 million illegals that have come in under the Biden administration. It was all talk. All it was is just codifying the mess that we have now. And the Senate wanted to call that a bill. Oh, we've got a cure. Let's just make it all legal. Let's just legalize the mess. That was the Senate's position. And here's the one kicker that really got me that was buried in this. The U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia would have sold jurisdiction to hear challenges to the law. You think about that. One of the most liberal district courts in the United States was going to have jurisdiction over all challenges regarding this law. That's what really got me. What did they think? The American people were suckers? And what was really good is this, this was really a punch in the gut to Mitch McConnell. Now, originally, Mitch McConnell supported it. Oh, we like the idea. It's a good idea. Let's do it. And it was so bad. And he took so much heat that he turned his back on it. And now there's more and more senators calling for him to be removed from leadership. And that's a good thing. And you know what's ironic about this whole thing is that Biden can take executive action on the border. He can start fixing this just by taking executive action on the border. Because remember, he created this by overturning all of Donald Trump's policies at the border. So anything you hear from the Democrats, anything you hear from the White House, it's all a dog and pony show because Biden can correct this in a heartbeat. So we shall see. Okay, Donald Trump won the Nevada caucus with over 99% of the vote. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley, who chose to run in the primary in Nevada, lost to none of the above. I think it was 66% to 33%. So she got walloped by 33%, by none of the above. So you ask, well, what happened in Nevada? Why do they have a primary and why do they have a caucus? Well, Nevada always used to have a caucus, but the state legislature, who I think is run by Democrats, decided that uh, they wanted to 
go from uh, having caucuses to having primaries. And the Nevada Republican Party said, no, we still want to stick and have caucuses. So what the party did is we're going to allocate the uh, electoral votes to um, the caucus. And Nikki Haley, for some reason, decided, well, I'm going to run in the primary. I'm going to see what I can get out of this. Maybe I can win something, which she couldn't because the voters came in and actively voted for none of the above rather than Nikki Haley. Meanwhile, Trump, who ran in the caucus, got 99% of the vote. And I tell you, Nikki Haley's making a huge mistake. As much as Ron DeSantis made a mistake running against Donald Trump this time, Nikki Haley's doing it. She's ruining herself. If she ever had ambitions to run for president in 2028, she's just blowing it. She's just turned off so many people in this process. For some unknown reason, she's still in the race. And she's attacking Donald Trump in the process. This is not helping her for 2028. This is a mistake. So we shall see. Well, I wanted to talk about the Tucker Carlson-Putin interview. And there was just so much that happened this week, I had to push it to the back burner. And uh, because I want to take a deep dive into this, I'm going to push it out until next week. And the one thing that surprised me, though, is the attacks on Tucker Carlson by going over there, just by being a journalist. I think that's Bill Kristol out there tweeting that we shouldn't let Tucker back in the country. We've got the EU threatening sanctions against Tucker Carlson because he wants to be a journalist. So we're going to go into a deeper dive because I saw most of the interview was Really intriguing interview, and there's a lot to unpack there. So I want to save it for next week. And with that said, thank you very much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.